What's going on, everyone? Thanks so much for checking out my conversation here with Zaire Franklin, strong side linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Truly one of the best players that nobody really talks much about. He ranked fourth in the entire NFL last season in tackles. Uh, but not only that, he made a lot of plays, uh, sacks, TFLs, forced fumbles. I guess that's what happens when your team goes 4-12-1. But as Indianapolis tries to turn this thing around with a new coach, a new quarterback, new direction, uh, they'll be leaning on guys like Zaire Franklin. And holy heck, has he been through a lot. You can catch the full Q&A over at golongtd.com if you prefer the written word and if you prefer the podcast right here. Here's Zaire himself getting into his relationship with his mom, his grandmother, both of which he lost in 2013 before he even played it down at Syracuse. And then he won all of 12 games in four seasons as a starter at Syracuse and went through a lot last year with the Colts, his fifth season last year. And so he's going on to year six and was extended last off season. So he's a big part of what they're trying to build in Indianapolis. Uh, thank you so much for listening, uh, sharing the podcast with a friend. That's how we keep this thing growing. And of course, subscribing at golongtd.com. Um, if you'd like to upgrade to a VIP membership, we've got Jamal Lewis, the Baltimore Ravens legend tonight. Friday, 6 p.m. on the call. So grab your favorite beer, uh, get the Zoom link, and hang out with us if you'd like. And when you become a VIP, you get full Zoom happy hour access with players from across the NFL, a sleek black go-long hoodie. I'm wearing it right now. I think you'll really enjoy it. And, of course, a signed copy of The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. So you can get that link right here in the description wherever you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. So, Z... Zaire, is there another nickname we should call you? How how do you want to go? <laughs> you call me Zaire Z Z four. That's what people call me in college. My uh, family calls me Ziggy. That's like a nickname, Ziggy. That's why they be like get Ziggy with it. That's like my I, my Twitter name. So, but I, I just go by Zaire to be honest with you. Ziggy's pretty solid though. I like Ziggy. Yeah, and, uh, I imagine you you can go by Ziggy at any age too, right? I I'm picturing you like nah. as a. 67 year old i guess you can't call somebody ziggy as they get to that age <laughs> that's kind Zig. of my thing that was, a child, that was like a childhood thing like i, I don't pee in the bed anymore so i don't know if i should be able to call <laughs> so it's all good well you're uh i mean you've you've you're a syracuse kid so we we know that you come from a a good place. We were just kind of talking about a few minutes ago, but where does it start for you? Probably back in Philly, right? I, I know a little bit about your story. It's, it's really inspiring. Your, your mother, your grandmother, um, really, really raised you and taught you so much. The players tribune piece that you did was incredible. Um, kind of start wherever you want, but like where, when, when you kind of figure out how you got to this point as one of the NFL's best defensive players, really hands down, where does it start? Um, honestly, yeah, it starts for me, you know, North Philly, um, you know, just raised by a group of strong women uh, who just kind of always had a goal and a plan for me. And, uh, you know, as they 
moved on and I had to grow up basically on my own since I was 16. Uh, just, you know, just constantly trying to make them proud, you know, from Philly to Syracuse um, and now to Indy. So um, really just, you know, I guess your prototype, not your prototypical, because I feel like I definitely went through some different hurdles, but I guess for all you can say is the underdog story that stayed down till they came up, really. What, what and what did you really go through then at a at a young age? Um, obviously lo- losing both of your loved ones. We'll get to that. That I, I can't imagine. But up through your you know elementary years, middle school years, what was uh, your upbringing really like? Uh, you know, it was different. I would say, you know, so you know, I've, I lost my mother when I was sixteen, but uh, she. Um, she had a reoccurring brain tumor uh, since I was in fifth grade. So her kind of being sick and me having to take care of her uh, was kind of um, something that was consistent throughout my childhood. Um, just kind of me helping out with her. And then, um, you know, really my grandmother raised me. That's who really was a person I would, like leaned on and kind of taught me, you know, pretty much everything. Um, and, you know, kind of losing both of them, you know, within two months of each other. Uh, really just kind of shaped me to who I was, um, you know, just it forced me to grow up. I think I had to grow up a lot earlier, um, you know, and what's why I always felt like I'm more mature than my ears, you know. Um, and, you know, to me, I think it just kind of set the stage for, uh, you know, a lot of different, you know, tributes and characteristics that I ended up having, you know, that I help, end up helping me in my career. I didn't realize uh, that the brain tumors were kind of on and off. So you're talking like your fifth grade through what? 11th grade when she passed. So 10th grade, she passed like February of my 10th. Oh, well, yeah. When I had my first off, you know, February of my junior year. Yeah. That was after my junior. So my 11th grade. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a crazy situation, you know, and then after the first time she had it, um, the first surgery that they did, they like made a mistake and like cut something that they, they weren't supposed to. So she was like, disabled afterwards. She couldn't really take care of herself. Um, oh. Pretty much changed her her type personality um, from there. But obviously, she like still cut was, her brain, like part of her brain, even. Yeah, I guess that's part of something that they were trying to clip out. I think they might have uh, made some type of uh, I don't know mistake or something like that. And uh, yeah, just kind of really altered a lot of things that you know who she was. That's brutal. I mean, yeah, because it's cognitive, I'd imagine. I mean, it, it, it it's who you are. Um, how did that affect you at a really delicate age? Well, I just think for me, it's just, uh, you know, obviously it's always hard when you're seeing your parents go through something so tough. Uh, you know, it's your mom, you know, she's the, the one that they always, you know, you run to that, you know, that's supposed to be your protector. You know, here you are kind of protecting her, looking after her. Uh, um, and, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of really, you know, it kind of just kind of set the stage, I guess, just for my relationship, my understanding of, of being selfless, kind of serving somebody else. Um, and, you know, the whole time, you know, she still was, she still was my mom, you know, she still was uh, getting on me about homework, getting on me when I messed up in school, still, you know, coming to my games when she could and still supporting me as much as she could. Um, but it was just that dynamic. And I think, you know, when I, every time I tell somebody like, yeah, my mom passed when I was in 11th grade, it's always like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But I think for me personally, it's really one of those situations where it's like, I was watching my mom in pain for, you know, a number of years. And anyone who's ever had to take care of a sick loved one or someone 
someone who was like kind of going through something similar, they'll tell you that like as much as you want them to be there for you, as much as you want them to, to be able to see the highs and lows of your life and enjoy these things. Like now I have a son and I would love for her to meet her grandson. Like there's things that I wish I could be around, but I, I, I'm happy that once she passed, I was just happy that she wasn't in pain anymore. Happy that the struggle and the fight that she was going through every day just to put her shoes on, just to, you know, get up out of bed and kind of take care of herself. That struggle wasn't there anymore. And sometimes it's, I feel like it's just almost a relief um, just knowing that, you know, you watch someone struggle and, and fight through. And it really teaches you what strength really means, you know. Um, you know, we, we, in sports, I think we just, you know, we personify guys, you know, playing through injuries and, you know, being tough and stuff like that. But I think it's when you get put in those real world situations and you're able to see, uh, someone that you love and someone you care about go through those type of scenarios, I think it just puts a whole lot of things in perspective. And I really think what I went through as a kid just really just gave me perspective on life and that perspective, I think. It, to me has always been an advantage because I was always able to understand things that a lot of people wasn't. So perfectly said. I So what what was she really struggling with? Was it like maybe like memory communicating? Um, you said that she, you could talk to her and she could watch your games. Oh. Yeah, it was really more so, um, you know, it's just like, you know, she was a extreme di- diabetic afterwards. Um, just a number of like health problems and stuff going on with her diet. You also got to understand that like, you know, I grew up on welfare, like you get what I'm saying. I didn't, we didn't have much. So it's like, I have the best health care in the world right now <laughs> in the NFL. Like if my kid needs something or we need to go get something, we get whatever we need. I didn't grow up like that, you know, and we're in the neighborhood that I grew up in wasn't like that. And what, when you grew up in neighborhoods like that, the food that you're available is available to you. There is no organic. I didn't know what organic was until I got to the NFL, you know what I mean? It's different things like that. So it's just, we she's struggling she's going through things and maybe if we were better off financially maybe if we were in a better situation things may could have been different but we had to make do with what we had so that was just kind of what was going on but but mentally was was she okay like i wasn't sure i mean yes she was it would be some memory loss uh you know she it was just it was just a bunch of different like a myriad of like health issues that kind of consistent but you're helping with everything like day-to-day life just yeah, with my, yeah, with my grandmother as well, yeah. And that's just in terms of I think you said get getting shoes on in the morning, helping get dressed, yeah. helping to get around the house, yeah. cook. Like what 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 stuff are you even? I mean, this is a life that not many, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders are living, and then you are. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really. I mean, well, my grandmother did. Like I said, my grandmother was there. She she showed it a lot of the low, but I think you know. That was a lot on her as well. Uh, you know, um, her and my mother had like a really close relationship. Um, so I know that was extremely tough for her to just to be able to watch, you know, her youngest daughter kind of go through that. And we, but like, like I said, we, we were there and we were supporting her together, um, you know, and we obviously have family support and people were around. Um, so it wasn't just a, just a me thing, but, and I would never, you know, I would never even take that. But as far as, you know, like I said, it was just, oh, it was tough just kind of dealing with that and just watching your mom kind of go through that. So. And in the neighborhood, what was your neighborhood like in North 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 Philly? Uh, yeah, yeah, North Philly. Uh, I moved uptown, which Mount Airy, West Oak Lane. Uh, once I got to about fifth grade, but uh, you know, I think the way Philly neighborhoods are set up is is different. Uh, you know, I think whereas though 
most cities that I've gone and traveled to, it's like you got like Chicago, for example, like, you know, everybody knows on the south side of Chicago, don't go to this part of the inner city. The way Philly is set up for the most part, it's like every neighborhood has trouble, but some neighborhoods have varying degrees of trouble. Like, you know, there's going to be trouble wherever you go, but some places you're more likely to find trouble. So I would just say, you know, where I grew up, you know, it wasn't the worst, but you know, there were issues, there was stuff going on, but I, my grandmother, my grandmother used to always tell me, she used to say, you won't go to college or else. Like, you know, she used to tell me that since I was a little kid, like going to college and getting my college degree was always super important to her. And I think that's why it was just so important for me to get my degree and finish my degree at Syracuse. And it sounds like um, your mom and your grandmother both kind of instilled different qualities in you. Like your, your grandma was maybe a little more like hard nose, get into football, take people out. And the amount, maybe some some more delicacies and sensitivities there. Uh, what what did you pick up from from both of them? Uh, I think you kind of hit it, you know, a little bit. You know, my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother was crazy, man. She uh she used to sit on the sideline and yell, "Zaire, be a hitter, not a looker." Like she used to just yell it. Like everybody, <laughs> knew, everybody loved her on the sidelines. Like I wish she'd come to our games today. Oh my god, it would be so lit. Um, but yeah, she was that energy. She was that fire. She gave me that passion and that love and that hunger. Um, and I just think my mom, man, she just, um, I think she just always really believed in me. And, uh, I think you know, she used to tell my, my aunt, you know, her sister, he's going to be a star. He's going to be special. Like she used to always speak that over me. And, um, you know, I think for her, she always just wanted to push me past, um, you know, whatever I could see in the moment, push me past just being just an athlete pushed me past, you know, just doing good enough. Um, you, you know, she used to, you know, make me, you know, try to expand my book. It used to make me, nah, we, you going to sit down, you go read the newspaper and, and bring me back four words that you don't understand. Like, really? you know what I mean? And, and I'm, and I'm taking the sports section. You can't read the sports section. You got to go read about real estate, you know what I mean? Or something like that. So it was just like, she, she was just that dreamer that I feel like I needed. And I think, you know, just the balance of both of them, um, just kind of added to who I am. I was going to say, I, I wrote for the Philly Daily News a little bit in uh, 2010. Maybe you were picking up some old stories and they, they weren't any good. But <laughs> <laughs> He was all over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I lived in Philly uh, just for a few months after I graduated Syracuse, interned there, then I went down to Fayetteville, North Carolina. But yeah, I, I was living by like Penn, which was a super nice area. So I didn't get like, I love the real. That area. Manny Young, that's a great area. I love Manny Young. Fantastic. Exactly. It was, it was got some really nice. Pockets. I liked it. What's that? So Philly's got some great pockets, man. It, and you know what? Like, I know that the fans have a bad rap. And, you know, as a Buffalo Sabres fan growing up and seeing Philadelphia Flyer fans, those playoff games, I'm like, oh, look at all these these assholes. Like, screw them. They're just uh, – every what everybody says. When I lived there, like, they were great. They were – you can see the passion. You could feel it. It, it really is – as authentic as it as it gets, I'd, I'd take that over these like contrived markets, like a like a Los Angeles. Where, you know, oh, listen, I, are I there really you. Charger and Ram fans? I, I I'm not so sure about that, uh, bro. I tell people all the time, bro, and, and and my teammates look at me crazy, like they look at me like I'm wild. But it's just like growing up in Philly, it gave me a certain appreciation for passion as a fan, like as a fan, like I want fans to be 
just as bought in. Like, you know what I mean? And, and it makes the game fun. It makes the city fun because y'all ride it together. Y'all ride the highs and lows together. And I know, you know, from Buffalo fans, man, Buffalo's got some wild, passionate fans too. So it's like <laughs> when, when those fans love you, when they really care, it just means so much more. It's so funny. We, uh, we were playing the Giants <laughs> uh, this past season and uh, we're pulling in and a uh, little six-year-old girl sees our bus fly driving by and flips us the middle finger. <laughs> and I turn around and look at everybody like, y'all see that? Like, that's a real fan right there. Like, that little girl is really a fan. <laughs> and she's by herself, her mom and dad telling her to do it? Or? My mom and dad was right there. They were encouraging. I was like, see, that makes me feel at home. Like, I felt at home at that point. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I could play here. Like, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just, that's, that's, that's the type of energy that you want from me personally. I mean, and you guys almost took him down. That was at home this past year, right? Like it was close. But... Giants got Giants got after us, but that oh, was, that Giants! Was... I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Philly. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we should have. Yeah, that Eagles game was crazy. Yeah, that Eagles game was was crazy. Last last second touchdown by Jalen, but yeah, yeah. Man, you're right. It is. It's different there. And so you probably grew up on Brian Dawkins and like Brian Dawkins, Javon Curse, uh, Sheldon Brand. Lito Shepard, like those, those, those was the guys. You know what I mean? McNabb, obviously, uh, Westbrook. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? Trey Turner. Those, those were some legends yeah. right there. What's my man, John Runyon? <laughs> I actually played against John Runyon's son in college. He's in the league now. I think he's in. I mean, yeah. high school. Yeah, he plays for right. Packers, I believe. I mean, I Ooh. I kind of grew up a Packer fan, so you you guys tore my heart out on fourth and twenty six once upon a time. Uh, oh, with Freddie way, way Mitchell, back. yes sir. <laughs> Red X. He did the belt before Aaron even thought about it. Yeah, I uh, promise you. <laughs> man, so God, how did you become uh, like a legit, bona fide football prospect? I think you, like way back there, your mom kind of got you into karate, maybe, and then so you got grandma teaching you how to hit. Like, when did you become this? you know, this mean machine in the middle of a defense and, and realize this well, is something I, I can do for a life. So I think uh, for me, it was just, you know, I always um, was good. You know, I think I always had like a natural act for like, you know, with it, the basics that it took to be great at the game. Um, I think uh, for me, I think the the biggest moment I could think of in my football career was I was in a seventh grade um and we played, I played pound ball when I was in Little League, pound ball, Pop Warner, got a weigh-in. And every year I was always overweight for like the first couple games. Like it was always hard for me to weigh in at a certain amount. And honestly, when I was seventh grade, I was tired of it. I was tired of trying to lose weight. I was tired of dieting. I, I still hate dieting to this day, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was I was tired of not eating school lunch. I had to bring my own lunch and eat whatever it was and drink my own drinks and I was tired of it, and uh, I told my grandmother I wanted to quit quit football. And she said, okay. Um, she let me stay home for a day. I, I didn't go to practice. Uh, I went in the kitchen and ate, like, three honey buns because I just couldn't wait to eat what I wanted to eat. That was, like, my rebellion. <laughs> and then uh, the next day, she was like, all right, if you want to quit, I'll let you quit, but you got to go and tell every single coach that you're quitting, that you played for, that you're quitting, and why you're quitting. And I didn't even make it past the first coach. And, you know, it's crazy because, um, you know, I think just that moment um, first has just taught me so many things just about how to really see something through. Um, Now I feel like I can't quit anything. Um, 
and it was just it just told me about what it really took like dedication you know it just kind of really just pushing through things that was hard and even if something ain't going the way you wanted to go um just kind of pushing through and seeing a vision and you know that ended up not even being the best year one of my favorite years of football like I wouldn't even say that was like one of those type of situations like oh I came back and you know we won a championship and I was MVP and that changed everything like it wasn't but I just think it was just that small lesson that just told me like no keep going and um you know just through all the highs and lows that I had uh from college to the league uh I always feel like I can lean on that moment right there and just think like yeah that was something that really like helped change my life so so why couldn't you get through that first conversation it was just did the coach like talk you out of it or was it just hard enough for you to verbalize and then like quit after talking? You get about? embarrassed. Like, you know, I think the thing about yeah. a lot of people is, you know, so the biggest thing is, you know, I, I read a lot of uh, books, especially about like leadership and stuff like that. And, you know, they always reference in the military and, um, you know, when they come to the Marines and it's the SEALs training, they always got that bell, right? When they're training on the beach. And, you know, I think a part of it is, you know, when you when you are going to quit something, the accountability that you're quitting, you're quitting on the guys that you were going through it with. You know what I mean? Like you got to go ring that bell in in front of everybody else, so that like weighs heavier on you. And um, I think, you know, for a lot of guys, that's like especially now the transfer portals and all kind of nonsense going on. It's just it's so easy for guys to change sides and switch teams and to 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 not work through things that's tough and a lot of times you you're not even you know they're not taught to have a conversation about um you know what's actually going on or talk directly to what's going on you know I talk to uh, college coaches and they'll tell me kids are transferring the transfer portal about not playing and they never even came to talk to them about it and it's just like well (laughs) like and and as adults you just kind of like that doesn't really make sense but that's just kind of where the new generation is has, has been headed and I just you know for me that, that was just something that was instilled in me early and I just think it was just that level of accountability you know like if you want to quit if you don't want to do this no more then go be a man to tell the people that you you know that you gave your word to you committed to that you're not going to do it anymore and um you know not to say that if you have a justified reason you can't stop but uh you know for me I think that 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 weeds out a lot, a lot of uh of the bullshit to be you know lack of a better word so you're going right up to him. Is this like at at practice in an office? Like when what, what's no, that interaction like? This is, is a bunch of people running around practicing. It's a whole thing, and we and they just like what man? Come on, Zaire, man, we ain't doing this. Woo whoop, and they just they but they understood though, you know. And I think it was like, I think for me, you know, just having you know, and the coaches have always played a huge role in my life. Uh, but just you know, just having those male figures kind of just talk you through those type of situations too is always helpful. Yeah. But you like literally like you're talking and it's hitting you like, I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep playing. Like it, the, the the shame kicks in at, at that well, point. You just couldn't really get through the conversation. It was just all right. Yeah. yeah. Next time I was at practice. You're right though. There's such a value in God just going through hard times and the this tight end book behind me, like Tony Gonzalez guy. He he went through it again and again. He's got kids now and he just keeps saying, I know that they can get whatever they want whenever they want it but they need to go through some shit like to, to advance, like just, just to grow as a human being, you need to go through hard times and maybe, you know, you want to he'd like for them to avoid the traumatic stuff he went through. Like you wouldn't want your son going through things that you went through, but you, you don't want to be a snowplow parent and just remove all obstacles because what does that do for you 
what does that do for your your soul like in in life there's hard times are inevitable so you might as well go through them at a young age and lord knows you have and, and i ain't gonna lie just really to me and even now as a man and you know as a man of faith i just feel like it's just i've, I've come to the point where i've come to appreciate hard times i've come to appreciate adversity because um you know it, it makes you stronger um I don't remember the exact quote or the exact verse. I'm not one of those type guys, but in the Bible, there's a verse or an excerpt somewhere in there. And it basically says when adversity comes, they thank God because they know that he's basically taking weaknesses from them and, and training them and sharpening them for a stronger battle that's to, to come in the future. And that's really how I feel. You know, you know, when I was in Syracuse, um, we won, I think, a total of 12 games my entire career. I started for four years. I think we won a total of 12 games over four years. It was tough, you know. I remember one time we, my sophomore year, we started off three and zero, and then lost nine straight. It was ridiculous. But I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about leadership. I learned about what it meant to be a good teammate. I learned a lot about how people respond in those type of situations. And you know, no, I don't want to go through that. No, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But to be honest, that prepared me for the trials that we went through this year. You know, losing a coach. Uh, you know, kind of going through that type of adversity now is different in the league because money's involved, jobs is a little different, but going through those type of experiences helped make me stronger to moving forward. And I think, honestly, I, like I tell people all the time, I think I learned the most about leadership at Syracuse because we were going through hard times. Man, how brutal was that? I mean, going there, I can remember some of those games and this is, you know, the end of the Greg Robinson era and even even the start of the Doug Marone era, there was, you know, a little bit of a jolt, but still you'd look in that crowd and there weren't many people up in those stands. Like if you're a student and you're not a freshman, you're probably not going to a Syracuse football game and and you're losing and things are going south and God, you're just trying to find a reason to get up in the morning and lift weights. I mean, how, how brutal is it for people who don't understand? Like this is you're at a at a big time school, big time program. You're not winning. Very few people are even caring. Yet you've got to punch in, punch out, do all that. Uh, for me, well, for one, I wasn't with Greg Robinson. We were with Schaefer, and I had Dino, who's there now. So it was a little different. But what I would say is, for me, and even like, like this year, for example, you know, at certain points where we're playing and we're out of playoff contention, you know, we got interim head coach. You know, everybody's kind of playing for the next year, playing for the jobs next year. I just resigned, so I know I'm probably going to be okay. It's just, you know, it's a lot like, what are you playing for? What's getting you excited? Like, I love to compete. I love the opportunity. Like, that's me, though. Like, I love, like, for me, I love going to work. I love what I do. I love the game. So, for me, like, yes, it's hard. And, you know, different things bring different, you know, energies to you. Like, it's tough being in a building. It's tough dealing with, you know, the politics and the, and, the, and the different things that kind of come along with when you kind of going through a downturn as a program or as an organization. Uh, but for me, you know, I just like, it, it ain't much, you know, you tell, you tell me we're going to get to play against first rounders. I'm going to go play. You know what I'm saying? You get to tell me I get to go compete against, uh, you know, Dalvin or, uh, you know, or, uh, Justin Herbert or, you know, any of these other great players for me, that's just a chance for me to measure myself against the league's best. And that's just another opportunity for me to prove who I am, you know, and even in, even in college, I felt the same way, you know, we, 
in my division, we had Lamar Jackson in Louisville. We had D.Y. at uh, Clemson. We had uh, Florida State was just coming off their run. They still had Derwin and those guys. So, like, it was superstars abound, yeah. you know. And I, I prided myself on every time I played, I wanted to be the best guy on the field. So that's just what I was always aiming for. And, and you did. I mean, within Syracuse football, I mean, you turned yourself into an NFL prospect. What was the turning point there? Like, how, how do you think you got on the map and – Ended up getting drafted and put yourself in this position. Well, I've been a play at a moment. All right. Well, I say the play that I felt like I really could play in the league, uh, you know, probably happened my junior year. We're playing against Notre Dame. I always tell the story. He's probably tired of me telling the story, but uh, (laughs) we were playing it. Well, going into the game, I knew they had Quentin Nelson uh, and they had Mike McGlinchey. So all week they were talking about, you know, this is the most. Pro-ready offensive line, you'll probably play in your career. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm playing against an NFL offensive line this week. You know, and I finished the game, you know, like 10 tackles, a sack, and interception. And, you know, I felt like after that game, I just thought to myself, like, well, if this is considered the best in college, and I felt like, you know, not only did I have a great game, I felt like I could have played better. So it was just kind of like, all right, well, I feel like I can compete on the highest level. And that was probably the turning point. But I would really say, you know, coming out the, uh, for the draft, you know, again, I no combine invite, no senior bowl invite. I didn't get an invite to any of those all-star games. Um, hmm. And I still did it, you know. And I think it was really my pro day that really got it done. And then once I got in the door in Indianapolis, they wasn't going to close it on me. How do you get noticed? At that, at that point, as a seventh-round pick, Got a lot of studs on that defense. You got the maniac right by. Uh, I've actually gotten together with him for a story back in my Bleacher Report days. There's, he's wired different. Um, is it maybe you're feeding off each other? It seems like you have similar temperaments. But what? How in the hell did you become what you are today, where you're a, a mainstay on that defense from a guy that could have been easily cut in his first training camp? I mean, honestly, uh, for the first thing is uh, you know we uh, Ray Allen talked to. Ray Allen talked to uh, our team um, a few years ago uh, during COVID, and um, he said something that really hit me. And he was just basically saying, you know, be a superstar in your role, um, whatever role that may be. And, you know, I just think when I look back on it, um, you know, whether that was my first year when I was was starting a little bit, rotating in on defense to the next two years when I was mainly just special teams – uh, to the past few years as I, you know, started to build a name for myself as a defensive player. I just think whatever role I had, I was I always just tried to be the best at and, um, you know, just try to do whatever helped make the team, help the team win. I was willing to do everything and willing to be whoever I had to be to kind of keep it going. And at the end of the day, I always believed in myself. I always believed in the back of my mind, even when I was only playing special teams, even if when at a certain point it was like half the bus would have to get in a car accident and then the coach got to be in a good mood just for me to play defense today. Like, even when that was a situation, I still believed in my mind. Like, when I play, when I get my opportunity, I'm going to be one of the best linebackers in the league. I have, I, I know who I am. I can, I'm an every-down linebacker. I could do these things. Watching Darius make so many plays and Kenny and, you know, those guys, it just motivated me. And it made me believe in myself because I understood at some point, whether one point or another, people viewed them like they weren't good enough to do what they're doing today. And even though my journey is a little later than theirs, I'm like, I know I was going to be able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Probably all rooted, right? And and your grandmother, your mother, I mean, the way you grew up, it's um, 
you want them with you, obviously, but you're probably thanking them for just making you who you are for, for to, to get noticed, to, to fight and claw, to get on a team, let alone start and star on a defense. Yeah. Yeah. This, this year was pretty crazy though. <laughs> not, not what anybody was expecting. Gosh, I mean, Unique and Darius and Kenny, all these guys that talked to over the years, this defense had the makings of something elite special. You, you add a quarterback that you, you hope is going to be that missing piece. Jonathan Taylor, the NFL's best rusher. It's, you guys are probably thinking Super Bowl. I mean, Stephon Gilmore. Um, were you? I mean, is that was that the expectation into this past season? Well, sure. I mean, no question. But every team thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl. Even the team. And that's the funny thing about it. Even the teams that like. Well, I can't say that to be honest with you because I think there's definitely a difference. <laughs> you get a you you get a different feeling from management, from coaching staff, like when right. they feel like. Yeah, we got a team. Like we got a team that could do some shit. Like you know what I mean. And I yeah. definitely felt like that was the feeling in the in the room and and our organization. And uh, you know, I just think it was one of those situations where uh, death by a million cuts, man. You know, so many different things that stopped us from really taking that next step over the last five years. Honestly, um, just so many little things, just like a paper cut turns to a bullet wound. You know what I mean? It was just like one of those type of things. And, uh, you know, we just wasn't strong enough to weather that storm and it just kind of all broke down. What was your reaction to the news that Jeff Saturday would be your head coach in the middle of the season? Somebody to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't even like, I wasn't sure to be honest at first. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how to react. Like, you know, we found, I found out, same as everybody else, I found out on my phone, you know, I found out like, you know, and, and that's the craziest thing about it too. Uh, I was still, honestly, when Jeff was hired, I was still kind of reeling from Frank. Uh, I got a great relationship with Coach Mike. Um, you know, he's a great man. And I understood that, you know, changes probably needed to be made at that point, but, you know, it was still disappointing that, you know, we weren't able to accomplish the goal that we kind of set out to accomplish. So at that point, to be honest with you, I was still kind of dealing with that, but you know, when Jeff came in, I think he did a good job of just, you know, look, I'm here now. Let's just move forward. Let's kind of get going. I'm not like the guy that wasn't here. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm just trying to be me. And uh, I think he did a great job of just kind of trying to at least trying to steal his own imprint or whatever it was. Yeah, because it, it was pretty funky. I mean, you won a game. Nobody expected you to win. Got big leads. Then lost those big leads. It, what a roller coaster <laughs> the rest of the season sure. was. I was telling people, I'm like, man, we're not even like quiet bad. Like, I feel like there's teams in the league that are bad that, that just you don't even think you forget about them. I'm like, we're loud bad. Like, <laughs> but it was just, I think, you know, I think it, it's a couple things. I just really feel like one, it just shows you the how small the margin of error really is in a league. Like, right. like the difference between good and bad is is really not as far as people really think. Like, it's it's a little luck and a lot of preparation. And, you know, I think that's just the difference. And then for us, I really just felt like, man, like, it's just, I can't walk away. I think we were a bad team in a sense of where we didn't have the, the general build and the foundation that it would take to go on a playoff run. Because we, like you said, adversity, you have to go through adverse things to be able to work through them and to achieve those things. Same thing, all those playoff teams and all those great teams did this year. But just from a talent wise, we were extremely talented, extremely talented. Maybe, to be honest, might be the most one of probably the most talented team that I've had since we've been here. Maybe other than uh, 2019 when uh, Andrew retired, but 
Um, I really felt like, but defensively, I mean, we had stars. Every, we had guys everywhere. We had, and we had guys having career years, you know, everywhere. And it was just like we had it. But I just don't, and I think that just kind of comes to show you, it's not really about, like, yes, it's about talent. Everybody needs talent. You know what I mean? L.A. just overpowered their team with talent, right? But at the end yeah. of the day, it took, you know, you know, guys that have been there that understood what it took to weather those storms, Aaron Donald, you know what I mean? Like, those tough guys, Matthew Stafford, a guy who had been through something, a veteran, a guy who had been through something, understood what it took to push through a moment. Because at the end of the day, talent going to be talent. So at, at, at that point, where you go from there? You know what I mean? It has to be so strange on a personal level to have a career year. I mean, you almost had 200 tackles. <laughs> and, you know, force fumbles, sacks, uh, making plays, yet, the, I mean, just br- brutal losses. Uh, how do you – I mean, you you got to take a moment to not not celebrate, but like really know I, I'm I'm becoming like a legit starter that's going to be in the NFL for a long time this season. Meanwhile, you know you give up that lead against Minnesota, and it's just <laughs> these losses are just eating away at you. That I mean, mentally that had to be kind of strange for you. Man, it was one of those situations where it's just like. You know you're devastated about how the team is going, and you, it's it sucks. It sucks because it's just like in the league is it's so crazy because it's like when you have a great performance without the win, it's just so empty. You know what I mean? And it's just like man, like you know you you get a win and with with the great performance. Now you getting player of the weeks. Now you getting you know Pro Bowl votes and all kind. Of, like now it's like, but when you lose, it's almost like you got to go into hiding for a week. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for me, it was just kind of, you know, it was just like one of those situations where I was extremely happy and proud of myself. Because, uh, like I said, I always felt like I was a guy in the league. And it was just like, man, you really proving it. You really doing it. And it felt good to feel what it feels like to change a game. You know what I mean? Like when I do something, when I'm making big plays and I'm feeling, I'm like, man, I just shifted the game in our favor. You know what I mean? And that's a good feeling knowing knowing that you have that power, knowing that you have that capability, that type of playmaking ability. Um, and it was just, but it was disappointing to be losing. But at the end of the day, like I said, you know, tough times make you stronger. So it was just like, look, you know, at the end of it, it's just kind of like, look, we went through this. The season kind of was what it was. Look, let's learn from it. Let's move on. Let's bounce back. Let's keep it going. I was going to say, I mean, we're, we're talking here, it's still February. So maybe mentally you haven't like, shifted into 2023 at some point though you seem like a a leader a voice that could somehow get this team right and moving in the right direction given your your background everything you've been through how how do you plan on you know being a voice to reset and and then turn this team into a winner well the first thing first uh comes with you know supporting our new coach coach Steichen I mean obviously I got a tremendous amount of respect for him just because, I mean, he he won that that Philly game. You know, we 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 had him, we had him, and 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 then they made a call that we had we didn't see coming in an adjustment in the moment that it had, and it was really just a, you know, we 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 sat I sat down with the coaches afterwards, and we was just like, man, they 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 skate so like obviously he's a great coach. Watching what he did in Philly, yeah. it's great. Uh, so. And then, but for me personally, I really feel like just as a voice in the locker room is just understanding, like, look, like, yes, we had some good teams. We had some great times. You know what I mean? We had some big wins and some big losses over the course of my last five years. But we haven't accomplished anything. And, you know, through all those things, we didn't win anything. 
Um, so at that point, that 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 allows you to put everything that every process that we had, every scenario that we had before, it allows you to put that in question because regardless, that didn't get you the results that you wanted. You know what I mean? So now you have no choice but to embrace something new, embrace the change, embrace the different perspective or embrace the new voice, embrace the, you know, the new systems, because look, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. We weren't getting the results we wanted. So we had to make major shifts, major overhauls. That's how that's going to go. So just don't the look, life is about change. The league is about change. So the worst thing you can do is try to fight it. You might as well just get on the train. Let's run with it. Cause the faster all of us can get pulled in one direction, the faster we'll get this thing moving. So that's really just my whole mentality about the whole situation. Almost like you have to have harsh conversations, maybe amongst players. Like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to have some hard conversations if you want to bust through and and get over the hump. This, this, I feel like this team's been banging at the door for a while, but something is preventing from you know getting through. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I know you know uh, Ballard and Mister Ursay and. You know, everybody, they just really, I know that they, they've been wrapping their brains trying to figure out what that exactly missing piece is, what that, what that thing is. And, uh, you know, I know they're going to come up with an answer and look, I'm, I'm a soldier, so I'm ready to ride yeah. out. Well, it's, it's, it's a young quarterback, right? That's, that's what that piece is. It's, I mean, I, in a vacuum, all of these signings have made sense. I, I can, you know, I was at some of these training camps and you see Matt Ryan out there, he's, the general, he's barking and he's getting guys all together. It, it seems like, okay, man, maybe he can squeeze one more year out of this career. And I mean, St. Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, I, I don't think we're, you know, necessarily sharing nuclear codes here. And it, Indianapolis is probably going to draft a quarterback, go young. So, GMZ, who, who are you taking there? <laughs> who are you going with? I'm sure you've been scouting. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, listen, man, I, you ain't going to get me like that, but. I like I like I like I like I like the QBs though, man. I mean, I feel like you know Bryce obviously is a great player, you know, want a winner. I uh, like CJ as well. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, I just want a young dude that's gonna come in ready to work, ready to win, man. That's just about you know about greatness, you know. what I mean, not not just about being you know lit or being you know popular or famous. I want somebody that's gonna come in and just ready to ready to grow, ready to get after it. Um, but like I said, I know they're going to do their due diligence, get the guy that they need. But, you know what I mean? I, I mean, maybe. I don't know, you know. But I will say, though, it's so funny because everybody always wants to kill us. And it's just like, I love that the media is so just, it's just, it's just that the, the memory gets erased. Because I remember when we first got Carson, everybody was just like, man, that was the move of the offseason, A-plus move. And like, guess what? It didn't work out. You know, it didn't work out, and that, and that's yeah. and look, and that's cool. It didn't work out. That's fine. But everything don't always go the way it's supposed to. But like, don't kill us in the in hindsight. Like that's corny, but it is what it is. You're right. I got. I remember writing a column saying this is this was the move, right? This is this was going to get it was, over the hump. Time, it was, and I and Carson was a great guy, great teammate. It just it just wasn't it wasn't in the cards. So you know, and I give the Colts credit for trying different things you, you know the, like you said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing but so you get all these different quarterbacks in it's probably time to go young so when you're looking for greatness like what are those signs of greatness that you'd want to see in a, in a quarterback what is that what do you mean by that I mean I think for me it's just you know I think it's like I said before like I love competing you know I love like nothing makes me more you guys actually my teammates I love 
when when we get a chance to compete against Derrick Henry, you know, he's an all-time back. He's a great back. He's, you know, I want to compare myself versus the best. I want to compare myself versus the Saquons, versus the Dalvin Cooks, versus the Josh Jacobs. I want to go against those dudes. I want to beat those guys. Those are the guys because, in my opinion, that's what this game is all about, right? So, you know, in the AFC, understanding the, the understanding the the the, uh, the battle and the gauntlet that you're jumping into, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, those are the guys that you have to beat and be better than, like, no questions asked. So it's just like that's what you want from not only just from your quarterback, from the rest of your team, and that's just across the board. Like, you want guys that just want to come in and you want them to be the best, like, train to be the best, expect to be the best, work to be the best. If you have that mentality and you got a team of that mentality, you ain't gonna yeah. not have top five players at every position. But that just because you ain't a top five at your position don't mean you can't beat a guy. Like you know what I'm saying? So it's just that's really all it's about. So this is all about competition and where to work. So whatever, if we do get a young boy, whatever young guy we get in, we I'm a, we gonna check his temperature for sure. Like we go, you're gonna we bring go, it to him in practice. You're, yeah, you're gonna give us chin music every day because that's what it's really about. So. That's great. I mean, you seem pretty jacked up, and it's February twenty second. You got a boxing workout in this morning, so yeah. you're you're yeah, already. I mean, you're. <laughs> What's that? I got a little. I got a little physical therapy today. That's gonna cool me out. <laughs> That's great, man. What about any big plans uh, this off season? Anything else? Uh, man, ahead? I got a, a fundraiser for my uh, nonprofit, Shalisa Zane. So I, I have a nonprofit. I named it after my mother. Uh, Shalisa's oh. Angels. Um, really just focus on, you know, helping uh, young kids from, you know, underserved communities uh, with a special target on young women, just in a, 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 a nod to my mother, my grandmother. Um, so we got our first fundraiser uh, coming up March 17th uh, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, where you can see it on my socials, um, on the uh, Instagram, Shalisa's Angels, at Shalisa's Angels. Um, so yeah, we got some stuff going up, but we also, you know, we we do a, a bunch of cool things coming up. I got some cool things I can't wait to announce. Uh, we always take them on a trip. I always get a group of like ten girls, uh, take them to like you know a really dope. So like a couple years ago, we took them to Google headquarters in New York City, wow. and then took them from there to uh, the Prudential Center in Jersey. Uh, to the Sixers headquarters, they was able to meet you know the whole market and all that stuff and walk on the basketball court and see all the guys. So uh, we got some cool stuff coming up this year, man, that I'm looking forward to going to announce it pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, that's the first thing. So, yeah. Man, well spread the word. That's so cool. So just because you were raised by these, you know, incredibly strong women, you want to give, give back to like the next generation. Of course. I feel like women, young women, women have played such a strong role in my life and raising me. And, you know, obviously I do work. I go to high schools and I go to schools. I pull up to football practices and I'm, I'm obviously going to uh, relate to the young men because I was, I was, them. I know exactly what they're going through, where they're from. We, we relate. I understand them. Um, but, you know, I just think sometimes, you know, it's the young women that kind of need our help. And sometimes I feel like they're overlooked uh, a little bit. And I, you know, I just feel like, you know, my organization um, just doing our best to kind of, you know, give that nod to them. And, and honestly, just in honor of my, my, my mother and my grandmother. I forgot to ask too, was, uh, do you have a relationship with your dad and was he around? 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, we have a relationship with him. Um, you know, I you know grew up knowing him. He moved to uh, Florida when I was uh, like about third grade, uh, and then he came back when I was in high school. So, but we, you know, we remain in contact. You know, I still know him to this day. We not as close, but yeah, I definitely have a relationship with him. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's awesome what you're doing to to give back, and you guys got some legit studs on that defense still. I mean, it, names just keep popping in my head. Gilmore didn't show any signs. I'm slowing down last year. No, Big no, Savon. Well, he can play. Big Grove had a career years. The force. I mean, we got guys, so it's just kind of like. And everybody's sleeping on you, right? You, you guys are going to get mocked and forgotten and dismissed. It's a rebuilding team. That's that's finished. That's in transition. Every season needs a hero. Every season needs a villain. And I'm cool playing either role, so I ain't worried about it. <laughs> Boy, anything else you want people to know? Before I lose, uh, man, just look, look, shout out, follow me on Instagram, uh, Zaire, uh, two underscores, follow me on, uh, Twitter, uh, Ziggy Smalls underscore. Um, and you know, just follow me on the journey. That's all I really can say. I, before I lose you though, you say you have a son. How old's your son? Uh, he just turned one, uh, February 6th. Oh my yeah, God. He just turned one. Yeah. Little man over there. Yeah. He in a, another room going crazy right now, but yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> this my- is. I've got, we got a three and a half and a one and a half over my shoulder and they're both out cold for their midday nap. Once, when you can align the nap, that's huge. I heard. Oh, I heard. I heard. Yeah. I came home and he was napping, but I, I hear him running around the back there. So, uh, I got, we, good? How, do you, how do you like fatherhood? How's it going for you? Man, it's a, it's a blessing. It's great, man. He, uh, people don't understand how much a little one-year-old will wear you out though. Like you'll just be hanging around with him and he just, he just burning you out. He they so crazy. They quick, they get in the whole kind of things. They just, <laughs> but it, it's, it's lovely, man. I, I don't know. That's my little, that's like my, my heart, man. Just little dude. He just, I don't know. He just inspired me, bro. That's my little dude. We be uh, watching Mickey Mouse and all that. That's my guy. That's great. Oh yeah. One, once you get past that threshold, it's, climbing on anything that is near and just it's yeah your head's on a swivel your head's on a swivel in the middle of that Colts defense but especially especially at home now oh no question got to (laughs) 